Hi, this is the Life in Bomb City podcast brought to you by Emerald College's Social and Behavioral Sciences Department. I'm Aaron Favor. And I'm Dr. Beth Rodriguez. And we are recording in the FM90 and Panhandle PBS studios invading their space. Uh, thank you for listening. For this uh, episode, we've got, we're going to be talking about foster care in uh, the greater Pan- Amarillo area. We've got uh, Gwen Hicks with us, the Amarillo Angels. And Gwen, would you mind uh, just sharing some things about this? Hey, I'm so, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm really glad to be here. This is exciting and I'm excited about your podcast. It's just amazing. I love it. I love, I'm a big podcast girl all of a sudden. So um, and, I'm excited for you guys launching this and the success it's going to have. Um, so Amarillo Angels, um, it is an organization, a nonprofit here in our area um, designed to cover all of the Department of Family and Protective Services, Region 1, which goes from the tippy top of the panhandle, all the way down through past Lubbock. So it's a big area. We have been in existence for two years, and our entire purpose for being is to support children in foster care and families that foster. We believe that if they can have consistent support and the community can wrap around them, that we can change the lives of the children in the system. Quinn, thank you so much for being here. We're really excited. I have a question for you. How many kids are in the foster care system in that area? Um, at any given time, it varies, mm-hmm. um, and it's always flexing and, and moving a little bit. As the numbers comes out, come out uh, monthly, at any given time, there's always at least 1,000 and many times more than that 1,000. It's a lot of kids. It is. It's a lot of kids. There are kids. Yeah. So can I ask you one more other question? Um, of course. Like, why do the kids end up in foster care? Like, what are the main reasons for that? Well, um, children can be removed from the home for sub- suspected abuse or neglect. Um, and that is the reason that they're removed. Um, once that happens, there an investigation begins. It takes a while to walk through that process. Um, and should they find, the judge find that the um, children need to stay removed for their safety and their well-being, then the biological parents are given the opportunity, or their parents, it may not be a biological parent, but the parents in the home are given an opportunity to um, work some services. A service plan is created, Mm -hmm. and they have about a year to complete that service plan, and then a decision is made um, at that point, sometimes earlier, but at that point, whether these children are going to continue in the system, maybe be adopted, or if they'll return back home. So I'm looking here at some of the statistics just that you provided. Wow. Yeah. That you provided for us. They're grim. Um, oh, they are grim. Shared one with me earlier on in the week. What was that statistic? It was the most, probably the most grim one. Um, yeah. Kids that age out, I believe. So youth in foster care, if they stay in the system, you know, until they're at 18, they have a choice. They, and when they, they leave the system, but they can leave the system with support or without support. And that's a whole different topic we can talk about later, but um, that if they leave the system without support within the next year, the next calendar year, 66% of those youth will be homeless, incarcerated, trafficked, or dead. And that's just not acceptable. That's just not acceptable. So that's one of the reasons we created uh, Amarillo Angels. It, it, we believe that we can provide a system, we can empower the community to provide uh, support for the and and give them give these kids a pathway of hope when sometimes things seem hopeless. And we do have a program here at Emerald College called Badger's Hearts, yes. and they do that. They do help with the um, children that are aging out, but there's some that they don't ever get to reach. And I'm just wondering, do you know why? Like they don't want support. Why would they not? Why would they choose the alternative? The best thing that I, the best explanation I can give you from my perspective, right? Um, I'm certainly have never been in their shoes, and I don't want to presume that I know what um, their life is like. But um, based on what I I know, you know, when you spend 
however many years, sometimes, you know, multiple teens of years, I don't know, Mm -hmm. you know, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 years sometimes in the system. That system manages your life. You are told what to do. That system manages your life. Um, You are told what to do, when to do it. Um, You go to this appointment, that appointment. You may be moved around so many times that you can't remember where where you're from. Uh, The average number of times that a kiddo moves in foster care in two years is seven. That's seven different homes. That's seven different sets of parents. That's seven possibly different schools. That's seven different sets of uh, biological or adopted siblings. And it just goes on and on and on. So, you know, when you are in that and you've been under that that umbrella, sometimes all they want to do is just get out. I just, I'm done with it. I don't want to be a part of that. Because to stay with the continued care, you have to stay in the system. That makes sense. That's so, that's so interesting. So tell us, what exactly does Emerald Angels do to help out and to kind of Wrap yourselves around those uh, individuals and those uh, in this community of foster children. Well, goodness gracious, we do so much. So it's been an incredible journey, I will say that. And what we want to do is we want to do anything we can to support them. We have three things that we do. Well, this is kind of our measurement of uh, and our filter of what we decide to do. We, it's One is intentional giving, which is the giving of thoughtful and needed items. And I'll break that down in a minute. The other one is relationship building. And the third one is mentorship. So every program that we have, everything that we do has to fall into those categories. So we have what we call the Love Box program, and that is a really super neat um, way to, I'm not called to foster and adopt, you may not be called to foster or adopt, but we can all do something. And we can, we know that, you know, helping can be really simple. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to go to that level to still really impact and support and encourage and love these children who are our children in our, from our area. Um, so the Love Box program is where we, we take groups of people uh, it can be a family, a business. We have a local service organization that has one. We have a lady who just says, I just want to do it myself. I don't need any help. I'll just take care of myself. So she's a love box group of one. But what that group does is they come together. We manage the background check process for them. We train them. And then we connect them with the help of the child placement agencies in our, in our city, in our area, to an f- actual family that fosters. And their job is just to walk alongside them. And that can look like so many things. This recently, we had a group that um, they are one of their families. They actually have have two families that they support. They're amazing. But um, one of their families is a family of eight. They have um, one child that they fostered and adopted. They have the two parents. I'm doing math in my head. This is scary. Okay. And then they have their own children and they have another kiddo that they are they're, uh, fostering now. And he's a, he's a little guy. And that's, that's a bunch of kids, y'all. That's six kids. And um, so they ask when they reached out and said, Hey, you know, what's going on? How can we, how can we serve you this month? How can we help you this month? They said, Oh, it's the Valentine boxes for school. Can you just come? Is there any way? So that group of people came to their home. They've known them for a long time. They've, they've been, they've built relationship with them. They've you know been walking this journey with them. They showed up with all the supplies, all the boxes, all the tissue paper, all the, all the decorations, all the glitter, all the everything. And they just laid it all out on the table and they all came together and had this wonderful evening making those Valentine boxes. And it was such a blessing to that mom. She was like, Oh my goodness, I can't tell you what a help this was. Just the thought of having to do all those boxes mm-hmm. by myself was more than I could really even comprehend right now. So um, it's simple things like that. Sometimes it's taking 
items to the family that are helpful or needed. Um, we have, uh, I have a love box group that I'm in, uh, and um, our mama uh, is amazing. She's an incredibly fantastic foster mother. And she, a, a, a while back, when her daughters um, uh, actually qualified for a state level UIL event, mm-hmm. and she really wanted to go. And, um, but that was going to be kind of tough on the budget, you know, a trip to Austin is, can be expensive. And so we talked to her about, you know, what she was wanting to do. Obviously her daughter wanted her to be there. And so what we did is she, she took a road trip and had figured out if she could do that and stay someplace that wasn't super expensive, you know, a hotel that had breakfast, she could eat breakfast there, go to the car for lunch and eat on the road out of the, out of the cooler and then just grab something light at night and then drive back just as soon as the track meet was over. And, um, so we said, well, can we fill your cooler? And she was like, oh my gosh, that'd be so amazing. So we got their list of all their favorite things to snack on and drink and eat and when they drive and we filled her cooler. And then we also helped her with some other things on that trip. That allowed her to go to watch her daughter, which was super important to her. That helped, her, that, helped that allowed her daughter for her mom to be there which is really cool because she wanted her mom to be there, obviously. And um, things like that make a difference. So what we know about foster families and parents, people that foster, within the first year of a new uh, foster family, um, 50% will cease fostering. And the number one reason they give is because they feel a lack of support. So if we as a community can wrap around those families then those kids can maybe stay in those placements longer. And then maybe they won't have to move seven times in two years. And it works. It's simple, but it works. That's a way that anybody could be involved. And so, I mean, I think that's great information because I bet a lot of people didn't know that they could do that. And just knowing that all I have to do is support somebody else. I mean, that's a huge impact and a small way to do it, but anybody can do that. Absolutely. That's great. And so what other programs did you say you had? You said you had other ones. Well, we are, we are about to launch our mentoring program, which we're very excited about. Um, we've done this in Baby, Stre- in baby Steps. Uh, we've launched in Baby Steps. It's been a grassroots kind of thing. And as it's grown, um, we've, you know, we've gathered and garnered more volunteers. And oh, by the way, did I mention that we're a 100% volunteer organization? Did not. Did. Yeah, that's very important. Very so impressive. we need to have, uh, we need all the volunteers. Y'all just come on, we'll find you a place. So um, <laughs> there's lots to be done. It's growing quickly and uh, we can find a place for you to plug in. And whether you have an hour or you have, you know, five days a week, we can make that happen. So um, give us a call, 806-570-2010. And anyway, but we, we, so we're launching our mentoring program, super excited about that. But we also do one-time events. We, we last, the first year we um, were open in 2017 um, was a pilot year. And um, so we, I just thought everyone would want to be part of a love box group. I didn't understand that they wouldn't want to do that. And a lot of people came to me and said, Gwen, we want to help, but I can't do that for X, Y, Z reason. And so, so they, they, we started to realize, okay, not everyone's ready for this commitment. So we need to come along and we need to come, come and find some ways that we can serve more people because, you know. There's 183 licensed foster care homes in Canyon and Amarillo alone. And that doesn't count court placements and family placements and things like that. So we wanted to serve as many people as we can, these amazing families, these heroes, these children. And then we also needed to increase our volunteer opportunities. So in 2018, we started several different things. We have a process that we call Love Out of the Box. 
And it was actually created by a group of students at West Texas A&M University, and we love it. Um, and it's where we, we have three big events um, during the school, during the year. And the an example is at Christmas, we rented the ballroom at the Botanical Gardens, and we opened that registration up to the families at Foster. We had, oh my goodness, we had face painting, we had gingerbread cookie uh, decorating, we had crafts, we had a hot chocolate bar, we served supper, we had a scavenger hunt in the lights so they could all go out and see the lights. And Santa, the amazing Santa was there. He was like so authentic and so beautiful. I'm sure he came straight from the North Pole. But anyway, and a photographer was there taking pictures, so we allowed the families to have their picture made, and all at no cost to them. They didn't have to pay the entrance fee or whatever. So it was amazing. And then what we do we open up registration for these events for the families and simultaneously we are doing asking for donations from the community because we want the community to be involved. You may not be able to be at a love out of the box event, but you know, I can, I can put together some things that you can give to the families. I can do that. So we, we do a donation collection and then as they get to leave, uh, as they get ready to leave, they have this great times, wonderful experience. And as they get ready to leave, we can hand them these gift bags and say, Hey, listen, your community believes in you, they love you, they support you, and they want you to know that, and they donated these things for you. And um, one thing that we always put inside every bag is um, we do a um, handwritten note of encouragement for everybody in the family. And those be- quickly become their most their most favorite things. And so, th- I mean, we, the first time we did this process, um, we the people didn't know we were gonna do this, and uh, they just were coming out for a fun day with their family. And literally, I had, had mamas weeping because they were so touched by the fact that people would care about them that much and support them that much. So that's love out of the box. We also do some one-time events. We call them dare to dream events because we want our youth and our kids in foster care to dare to dream of a different life than these grim statistics that they face. So there's a lot of things. Um, During that love out of the box event, we have a packing party and that's a simple way for people to come help. They pack the bags and write the notes and things like that. So these uh, these students and the, I'm sorry these these kiddos that are in the in, that are being placed do they know about these statistics I mean do they whenever they get placed how aware are they of the actual stats well, That's a really good question and I don't know the answer to that Aaron. Okay. The reason I and the reason <laughs> yeah. I ask I feel like it would really wow that would be so much be almost traumatizing right. to hear that whenever you're being placed Right and every time you switch you're like oh. You know, I mean, it is a kind of a psychological devastating situation if you know what's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I hate that that is a statistic. Like we should, yeah. we should be fixed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, these kids come, many of them from such hard places and they have had, basically, if, they're, if they've been exposed to the trauma, the abuse and all those things, Beth can probably, Dr. Beth can probably um, speak to this better than I can. But, um, you know, it changes the, actually it changes their brain development. It changes the way their brain works. The cortisol that seeps through their body during those times of trauma and stress just change everything. And um, sometimes they're sometimes they're from really hard places and sometimes they're very wounded and broken. And sometimes that can make it a really hard thing to bring a child into your home when they're that wounded and broken. And so that leads to that part of that seven times, seven moves in two years. Um, but if we can support that family and what we know about that is if we can build relationships with those children and love those children and support those children, then that brain trauma and those changes in the brain can start to be reversed. So, I mean, it would, 
like the angels of Amarillo, they would be, serve almost as the consistency, even though they may have to change a home, they still have the support from the Amarillo angels. So that would leave with a consistency instead of changing and change and change. Cause I'm sure that is one of the biggest problems is we see constant change and they're trying to adapt and they can't cause it's, that's a lot to do. Yeah, it is. And, and ideally in the perfect world, um, if I'm, if I'm in a love box group and I'm supporting, uh, some children and they need to be moved, um, then ideally I could actually, our group could actually follow the children, but everyone has to be in agreement with that. So that's, that's the ideal situation. Yeah. Whether they go back home, whether they go back to, or they go to another family or to a potential foster adopted adoptive home. Um, that's the ideal situation. Yeah. Yeah. Building relationship is huge. So this statistic on, um, on, on them going to college, mm-hmm. I was told that uh, they can go to college for free. Well, um, the tui- they have a tuition waiver. It doesn't pay for everything, okay. but it does pay for quite a bit. Okay. Why, now, why, why, why are the numbers so low? They don't, they choose not to go to college. Why is that? Yeah. Three, only 3% take advantage of that. College, technical school, um, something like that, that will be paid for. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, one, one other sad statistic that goes along with the, um, we're, the average number of moves is seven in two years, is that every time they move and they, every time they make a change of placement, they, re, they re, regress four to six months in their educational attainment. So do that math real fast in your head. Um, that's a lot in a, yeah. a short period of time. And that's just assuming that they were on grade level to start with. So I had a conversation with a young woman who's amazing, um, kind of a, she's kind of a, I told her, I said, you're a mythical unicorn. And she just started <laughs> laughing. She goes, I know, because she's working on her master's and she's, she came out of foster care. And I said, I'm so impressed. And I said, talk to me about that. And she said, you know, Gwen, I could not even begin to think about what I wanted to be when I grew up because all I want to do is go home. Mm-hmm. I just want to be home. And so I think there's just a lot of things that play into that. I think a lot of them, again, to do that, to be to have that tuition waiver, you have to stay under the umbrella of the system, and a lot of kids just don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. So it's just uh, kind of like whenever they when they get to that age, they're ready to go. They're just done. They're done with it. I mean, whenever you, I, I was in K through twelve for a little while, and I remember seniors are ready to leave. They're That's ready right. to get check out by the time. I mean, personally, I I moved to Virginia, <laughs> meaning me almost immediately. So it must be so much more challenging coming from. That, that type of a background, I can't even begin to imagine, find a place to even try to empathize right. with that type of situation. That's so exactly dramatic. right. You know, I was raised by basically Ward and June Cleaver, if y'all know who that is. Mm-hmm. And this young audience may not know who they are, but um, Leave it to you know, there you go. <laughs> Leave it to Beaver. Look it up. Um, anyway, we just, um, you know, I didn't have that background. And a good friend of mine, Dyron Howell, who is the um, executive director of Snack Pack for Kids here in Amarillo, he tells me, um, he has a, a guy that he knows and loves, and he'll say, you know, if this was your life and you're where you are right now, pay it forward. If this was not your life, pay it forward. Um, and that's kind of how I love that. I think that's exactly what we can do as a community. No matter what our situation, we can pay it forward and we can love these kids and make a difference. I don't know, Beth, are you familiar with the 40 developmental assets from the Search Institute where it talks about the things that communities can do to support youth in general, not necessarily oh, absolutely, kids. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so one of the main things that you can do um, with that is you can, one of the most important things you can do for you, any youth, especially, but especially I see it applicable to these um, kiddos in foster care is if, 
two, three, four people other than their parents pour into them and encourage them and love them and support them, then they're going to have, it's going to change literally the trajectory of their life. And that's what we want to do. We want them to come to AC. <laughs> that's exactly Because that's right. what, I mean, that's our charge here. Is heart. We are. We are that caring. We want to be that person who's going to support you and move you to the next level to where you can be successful. And I mean, that's, it's so true. If we have even just one because an untypical, typical person who does end up in college has at least three or four, like, supporting players. So, and when we look at children, especially in this situation, sometimes they don't have anybody, so they have nobody supporting. So if we could just find somebody, you know, two supporting players, then that just does increase their, you know, attainable success and higher education and, you know, just being successful and, you know, giving back to the community and doing something that they've always wanted to do. Yeah. Something as simple as learning how to build relationships with people. When you're bounced around that much, you don't even really have time to learn how to build relationships. The time's not even there. I visited with um, Kelsey Vines at CASA. I used to be at CASA and um, she was telling about a young man that she was transporting one time and he was you know, he was older. He was had been in the system a long, long time. And, and he just said, you know, um, she said, he said, I, can you tell me where I'm from? And I mean, how do you not know? I mean, I can't even wrap my head around that. And um, she said, yeah, I can find that out for you. And he, she asked him, she said, how, and he, she said he was this precious young man, so talented, had so many gifts and talents. And it was so thoughtful and kind and polite but he was older, and the the really the reality is, the older the child, the less likely they will be adopted. And she said, "Tell me where you've been." He goes, "Well, it goes up. I've been a lot of places." He said, "The longest I've been any place was nine months." And he said, "I actually made a couple of friends while I was there." So these are kids that you know, and that doesn't happen to every child, but that's that's an example of you know what they're facing, and it's no fault of their own. So I heard you mention CASA. Do you guys work together with a lot of the other organizations that do work with foster kids? And I mean, and how, I mean, it seems like a natural progression that you do. So is there anybody else that you guys work oh with? Goodness gracious. Um, we believe in interconnectivity. <laughs> um, there's some great research out about that too. We can talk about that later, but um, we have to work with our, we have, we have relationships with all the child placement agencies here in town with CASA with a CPS, with, um, and we could not do what we do without them because, and we don't do anything without their knowledge because we don't want to interrupt what their work is. We want to come alongside them again, provide that extra layer of support, but we work with every agency. And then we've got amazing partnerships with other people. You know, um, our office space is in the snack pack for kids warehouse. I mean, that's, and it's donated. We're excited that not only are we a hundred percent volunteer, we have a donated office space. So we ran the numbers the other day, 97.73% of every expenditure we had in 2018 went straight to program costs, which means that the kids and the parents are being benefited. So, that is, that's yeah. a great number. So we have, I can't tell you how many partnerships we have. Um, it's amazing. It's incredible. I have six, we have, not me, I, we have six um, volunteers this semester from the WT social work department who are all required to spend 50 hours of volunteer work. We're so excited. They're mm-hmm. just, they're amazing. And they're taking the reins and running with it. So it's, I can't, I, I would list them, but I'm afraid I would forget, but we, we could not exist without our partnerships. It's amazing to me, the, the role of community and how much, how much a community can actually impact a business or even in these, this 
subpopulation of, uh, of individuals that are inside of our, in our lives every single day. We just don't know who they are. They're kind of nameless. Mm-hmm. They're, uh, we don't know their backgrounds. We don't know their histories. Mm-hmm. And therefore, we don't know what their needs are and don't always know how to care for them. Mm-hmm. So for somebody that hasn't been active in, in, in trying to support these kids, having, having knowledge, some knowledge about what it is that, that y'all do is incredibly helpful specifically because it kind of brings it down to the individual level instead of thinking about this massive mechanism with lots of moving parts and gears and things like that, which the system is. Yeah, it's huge, yes. And, and, and allowing the individual or a family to say, hey, I, you know, there's actually something that we could do to push back against this cycle, this violent, terrible, sometimes life-ending, tragically, yes. cycle. Yeah, and, and that's our, that's our, that's the vision and the mission is it's all pulled together. We can't fix the system by ourselves. We can't change. I mean, we can't change that. It's out of our control, but we can all do something. And um, if we all come together and do something, then by golly, we can make a difference. Well, our whole goal is to, to interrupt those, uh, like to break that cycle before it happens, um, to break into the lives of these children. That sounds kind of rough. I didn't mean it that way, but you know what I mean? To, to go in and, and walk alongside them and support them and build a relationship with them and mentor them so that they make better choices on the front side. So when they do turn, get to that age, they can say, Hey, I want to, I want to, I want to go on to school. I want to do something different. Speaking of one of the statistics uh, that you just, I mean, you just now touched on it. 80% of the current prison population were once in foster care. Absolutely. I mean, when we talk about criminal justice reform, you talk Mind about blown. how yeah. massive <laughs> the criminal justice system is, particularly, I mean, in Texas. I mean, we're, we're kind of notorious uh, <laughs> as Linton as the, in all the 50 states. Can you talk a little bit about the specific, um, the subpopulation of, uh, of individuals that, uh, that are in foster care mm-hmm. and these precious kids that are going to end up in prison? I mean, if they were if 80% as a extraordinarily high number what i mean what can we do about that is that do we catch that early oh man that's our hope that's our that's our hope and our prayer is that we can we can pour into them enough that they make different decisions again going back to that statistic if they age out without support in the next year 66 percent will be homeless incarcerated trafficked or dead and i mean that's part of that you 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 come out of um, at 18, I mean, I know my children at 18, they, they weren't ready to support themselves and they didn't have to, thankfully, you know, you think, you think your brain's not even fully developed when you're 18. Holy moly. And if you have, you know, traumatic stuff happened in your brain already, that just, that just amplifies that. But you come out and you think I can do this. I don't need your help. I don't have to have that. You know, it's not a, I don't need you. I can do this on my own or I want to go back home. Because you've possibly, you know, um, made your home a, a place that it really wasn't in your mind. Maybe you've, you've rationalized it to be better than it was. Oh, we whitewash our parents, yeah. our family. I mean, that's just a typical, it's almost a survival mm-hmm. instinct that your family, your home life is that home life. And so I'm sure that is part of it. That plays into it. Yeah. So let's go home. Let's go home. And then we get there and we go like, oh, wait, maybe it wasn't. Maybe I got, well, maybe I shouldn't have done this. Mm-hmm. And you end up 
someplace you don't have any support system um, you because you may have traveled who knows where to be with your family and and then you end up on the streets and then you know it just it's a cycle and but you think about the okay I'm gonna go someplace I've never gone before but I'm sitting there thinking about it you think about all the quote-unquote issues facing our world education drugs you know homelessness those things this is a this is just a sub category of that and and it's it's a smaller version of the bigger problem but if we could impact these kids by doing simple things and pouring into them then you know we can change that Mm -hmm. we can help make a difference there yes it's always a potential you know if we can find that small goal that makes an impact and this is I mean anytime you can intervene and help with kids you know it could change and it sounds kind of corny, but it could change the future because we see that like just a small, you know, have giving them the ability to really know how to think, um, to really have the idea of what's right, what's wrong and giving them that as, and, you know, through support, then we could, and, you know, it could be a huge impact on what we see in five years, 10 years, mm-hmm. you know, whatever they're doing, their next step. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Can I, can I tell you a story? Absolutely. Okay. Go so a little background. Um, you know, I didn't just think this up because I'm, I'm not that smart. But anyway, um, I, I retired from education. I'm, I'm not your typical let's start a nonprofit kind of person, I don't think. But um, my demographic is a little out there. I'm 58. And, um, but when I, when I retired from education, I really felt like I had at least one more chapter in me and wanted to use some of the skills that I'd been given and the experiences that I'd had to do good and to pour back in the community that I believe has given me so much um, and my family so much. So my heart just really began to be turned toward this particular population of kids. My nephew and his wife were fostering to adopt. And even though they had a huge support system, oh man, it was a rough journey. Their heart was broken many times. They they loved kids that they thought they were going to get to adopt that ended up going back home. And rightfully so, they will tell you that. But it, watching that journey, it was it was tough. It was grueling. Those kids came in, you know, with really hard behaviors, you know, and um, the one little girl they had, every time she heard a siren, she would scream, run, it's the cops and go hide in the closet. That, and that's a simple thing that you don't normally, you know, but that's, that's just a simple example. And there were other behaviors much more intense than that as well. So I began to watch that process. And and again, my heart just started being turned more and more. I was reading a blog post from a, a writer that I follow and it had a link to an organization in Austin that's been doing this, uh, been doing this work for about five more years than we have, um, called Austin Angels, very cleverly. And um, I could not let it go. It made sense to me. It made sense in my mind. Uh, it made sense relationally. It made sense educationally. It made sense. It was simple. It was like, I was like, I, we can do this. This is something we can do. So I reached out and, and had a long conversation with Susan Ramirez, the CEO. And um, through that conversation, we decided that we would instead of trying to reinvent the wheel here in the panhandle, we would become a pilot project for expansion for their, for their organization. And so in 2017 and nothing flat, they had us up and running and um, we were, we were the pilot for that. And pilot is that this whole thing is based off something that Susan started in the love box program. And she believed that she can make a difference in the lives of kids. And so she asked for a family that one of the toughest family, give me the toughest one you have. And um, so I don't know if you know how much you know about this, but children in foster care are put on levels of care. They go from very basic to very intense and needing to be in a therapeutic setting. And these four young men in this home were all at that level, 
last step before the therapeutic setting um, was going to happen. And she started pouring into these families with the support of her friends, her, her, uh, what she calls her ride or die friends. Um, And um, they started supporting her financially and would help and do things and shop and do those kinds of things. She started pouring into the lives and she got to know one of these young men. And I don't know his name for real, but anyway, I always call him Bobby. I don't know why. Um, But he wanted, she found out he wanted to play football. And so she's like, okay, well, Maybe he needs cleats. Maybe he needs somebody to kind of coach him up because he's moved around a lot. You know, I'll ask him why he's not playing football. Something simple that I could fix. And um, he, he, she asked why, and he looked at her and said, Miss Susan, I can't play football because you have to pass to play, and I have never made higher than a C in my life. And she was just pretty much dumbfounded by that. And she said, okay, this is what we're going to do. And she took out that note of encouragement. This is why those notes of encouragement are so, so beautiful. That note of encouragement. And she said, will you do me a favor? Will you take this and will you tape it to the headboard of your bed? And she said, it didn't have any magic words in it. It was just a simple, like, I believe in you. You can do whatever, you know, you've got this, whatever. Tape it to the headboard of your bed. And every morning when you get up in the morning, the first thing I want you to do is turn around. I want you to read that out loud to yourself. Will you do that? Yeah, I'll do that. They'd built relationship. He trusted her. She said, okay, and then at night before you go to bed, will you turn around and read it out loud to yourself? Um, yeah, I'll do that. And she said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be here for you. If you need tutoring, I'm going to tutor you. If I can't tutor you, I'll find somebody who can. I will give you any, I'll get, make sure you have any supplies you need. I will check in with you. I will support you. I will pray for you. I will, um, if I need to go talk to your teachers and you, you, I have permission, I'll go talk to your teacher. I'm here for you 100%. He said, okay, that's a deal. So, rocked along they he held up his end of the bargain she held up her end of the bargain rocked along and um susan got a phone call a while later several months later and the foster mom was crying she was crying so hard she couldn't even she couldn't even hardly understand her but she what her immediate thought was oh no something's happened they're gonna have to go to rtc residential treatment center and finally when the foster mama calmed down she said miss susan she said you're not gonna believe what just happened she said that boy who has never made higher than a c in his life makes me cry every time i hear about it he just brought home his report card and he has straight A's and that's the difference one person can make or a group of people can make in the lives of these kids and it wasn't anything magical it was just her caring and her loving and her support and her encouragement and that's the basis of what we do since our pilot the panhandle is so amazing and they have just wrapped themselves and just jumped on board and been a part of the lives of these kids and these families and have done an amazing job it's been so successful now austin has created national angels and now there i think there are 22 chapters across the country that are either open or on their on the pathway to being open and then i think there's another 13 to 15 that are in the queue for 2019 that 22 happened in 2018 it's incredible that's because of you no, <laughs> I think that it, might, it sounds like it. No, I don't think so. I think it's I think it's a team effort for well, sure. But absolutely. there's a need, and people love to help with a need, and they want to be, they want to help kids. And I think it's just it's the model works, and it's simple, and it's not it's amazing. So it's incredible. That's fantastic. A couple of different things that you just now said that kind of indicative of of some behavioral things that maybe Dr. Beth Rodriguez can <laughs> uh, can talk a little bit about. One of them is Admiral McRaven, the guy that that that, that helped organize and execute uh, Operation Neptune Spear that that you know got Bin Laden. We're not talking about Bin Laden here on the on this podcast, okay? <laughs> I'm, saying, I'm trying to make another, the middle connection maybe here. Maybe a little <laughs> different one, okay? But Admiral McRaven published a book, and it was called Make Your Bed. Mm-hmm. And a moment ago, you said that the woman talking about was took up one of these these notes, 
and and said, tape this to your bed. Mm-hmm. And it's it's amazing the discipline. You know, the very first thing that you do, if you don't feel like you're going to accomplish something in in a day, you need to start the day with an accomplishment. And Admiral McRaven's point was, at the beginning of every morning, make your bed. You can say that you've done something immediately. Mm-hmm. Said, and it changes your whole mindset changes the ability for you to function throughout the day and it leads to a very uh, more of a disciplined life and it sounds like this was an incredibly successful venture and mm-hmm. she did a wonderful deed by having him tape that uh, that that note of encouragement to uh, to his bed mm-hmm. now it's the smallest thing like Maslow's hierarchy of needs mm-hmm. that's what it is I mean you start with you have to be able to eat okay but then you you can't do anything more than what you're gonna do if you don't think you can. And if you don't have somebody who's supporting you and you don't have the self-esteem, you don't feel um, like efficient, like your self-efficacy is low, then you're not going to do it. And I mean, that's huge. If you have somebody who's believing in you, then, you know, you know, they're not a liar, you know, they're there and you trust them. And so if they're believing you, then you have to start believing in yourself. And I think that's a huge step. And that sounds like Exactly. You know, anybody can do that. It makes sense. Yes. It makes sense. I don't know if you've ever seen, we're going to go from, I don't know, Admiral, whoever. <laughs> Thank you so much to Mr. Rogers here real fast, which is a big jump. But um, I don't know if you've ever seen that video of him accepting his Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, I think it's at the Emmys. And he gets up and, you know, in true Mr. Rogers fashion, who's he's amazing and has such a heart for kids. He gets up and he says, you know, I didn't get here by myself. I'm, I'm paraphrasing Mr. Rogers. It is not just me. Um, I, there is, you know, a whole host of people who poured into me basically. And, and he takes his watch, you know, and and he, he says, he said, I want you to take the next minute. And he said, I want you to think about who helped you get to where you are. And this room is full of celebrities and they're all, you know, gussied up and, and they're, you know, powerful people. And he says, I'll watch the time. And, and the camera pans to the audience and you can see these, these celebrities who start to crumble. And the tears fill their eyes. And they, as they're thinking about who who poured into me, Aaron, I know you've probably had people poured into you. Dr. Beth, I think you've probably had people who poured into you. I, I know I have. And, and I, you know, pay it forward. That's what we're here for was pay it forward. And we don't, one of the cool things about this program, it, and we get so many positive, so much positive feedback from uh, families, is we don't just support the children in foster care. We support the family unit, the parents, the biological and adopted siblings, they get letters of encouragement as well. They get things in that bag, those deliveries every month that are for them. Um, and that means the world. I have a good friend who, in fact, she sent me a message this morning and she said um, they, they adopted two older kids. They had one little girl. She'd been the princess for a while. And, you know, <laughs> and when these two, when the sisters came um, into their home, it was absolutely meant to be and they're 100% on board but it was it could be tough at times I mean you know these girls had had quite the experience well they came to one of our events our back to school event left with bags and bags and bags of school supplies that the community had donated and um they didn't even look at them for a while and when they got in there and they found the notes they were like oh my goodness well the little little girl she went in her room not too long you know later and, and she said to this day her note is still taped to her mirror she put it up there herself. And she asked her, she said, why is that up there? She said, you know, mom, sometimes this is hard. And she said, um, but when I am having a hard day, I just come read that note and I feel so much better. I mean, it's just something wow. simple. Yeah. It's so neat. And it is. And, you know, we talk about how the family structure and it's always so difficult. But, you know, we see that the more we add, you know, the steps, the foster, the, you know, the divorce, the stepmom, I mean, anything, 
new aspects make it more difficult every single time. So, I mean, why wouldn't it be difficult for a child who that was my family to share that, you know, and it's, it's a big step for them too. And so I think they would need support just like everybody else. And so I think that's huge that you do that. It is. You know, and we, it, anytime we take a first time delivery, typically I get an, I get a note or a message or a, uh, an email from the parents who's like, oh my goodness, we knew you were going to do some things for our kids in foster care. We had no idea that you were going to do something for us. It happens all the time. And they're, they're just blown away by that. But it's a family unit. It's a, fa- it's approach. We want to support the entire family. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful model. I didn't think it up. I can say that. <laughs> right. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful, like holistic approach. To, to being able to take care of, I mean, you have to be able to take care of everybody. Mm-hmm. You have to, because everybody really needs support, particularly if you're uh, going to take on uh, being able to foster a child. Mm-hmm. It only follows that you need to foster the family as well. Mm-hmm. Somehow, foster the people. That's not a uh, <laughs> reference <laughs> to the uh, music. It made me laugh. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. <laughs> I'm old, but I got that's, it. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's where we're coming from, though, right? Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so I think, uh, one thing that I want to share with you guys is, um, that, um, we, in the two years that we have been open, um, we have been with the help of the community and the support of the community, we've been able to serve 1,193 children and parents in, in the foster care system in this top 26 counties of the panhandle. Um, and, um, and this in 2019, we have so many exciting things coming up. We have, we're actually going to be launching into Lubbock. We have our first Lubbock event planned in March and we're very excited about that. Um, we're getting ready to do our, what we call our fairy godmother project, which is probably the most popular thing that we do. Um, we do that in conjunction with um, CPS. And um, it's basically helping those kiddos that are prom age get ready for prom. And we have, oh, I think about 400 donated dresses that they can choose from and jewelry and shoes and bags. And the, the guys get tux vouchers and they get swag bags and we make it a really special event for them. And uh, we're real excited about that. Um, we have um, our Love Out of the Box, next Love Out of the Box event. And we've rented the... Um, uh, High Plains Retreat Center, and we're going to do a foster family day camp in April. I'm really excited about that. Um, we did that was our first Love Out of the Box event we did last year. Had t- two giant Easter egg hunts and lunch, and they did the ropes courses and the giant swing and the archery and crafts and you know just all the things. And it's just so fun. Um, it'll be in April, um, and and it just goes on and on and on from there. We just have so many things. One of these um, WT volunteers real excited. We talked yesterday, and I think we're going to look and see if we can do a project, an event where, or a, I don't know what you call it. It's not really a project. It's not really an event, but we're hoping to see if we can do a, uh, a, some classes for the kids who are older and get ready to age out to maybe teach them some computer coding. And then when they complete the class, the coursework, then we'll give them the laptop that they can take. So when they come to AC or, or go to some other place to go to school, um, but, you know, they'll have a skill set that they can actually use to support themselves because not everything is paid for Mm. Um, but it will help them you know be able to survive and live and support themselves um so we're excited about that we just have all kinds of things going on but we got to have those volunteers because we're committed to as long as possible stay 100 percent volunteer we know that may not be feasible forever but if we we believe that there are people out there who have the skill sets that we need and who are willing to come alongside us as we come alongside them. And so if you are interested in volunteering, goodness gracious, reach out to us. 
We'd okay, love and it. how can we get a hold of you? Oh my goodness. Tell everybody. So we have all the ways, all the social medias. Um, we are on Facebook. That's our biggest social media following. So go find us, Amarillo Angels, on Facebook and like us and follow us and share and do all the all, do all the things. We're also on Instagram. That's our second highest social media feed. We have a few people that follow us on Twitter, but not many. So I don't know. If you feel real strongly about Twitter, go ahead and jump <laughs> on. But um, that's not where you're going to get all the information. Um, we also have a newsletter. Our website is www.amarilloangels.org. Um, um, you can sign up for our newsletter there. We'll go; those go out fairly regularly, um, and it'll have all the details. If you know a family that fosters that could use uh, our program or more information about our program, we have. If you go into get involved, I believe there's a place for um, under the Love Box group or something. There's a place that you can do a referral, a referral for a family or a referral for a youth for our mentoring program. So jump on there and send those to us. We love it. That. Well, thank you so much, Gwen, for sitting down and visiting with us. You know, I know that in the social and behavioral sciences department at Amarillo College, we have such a, such a wonderful and talented group of individuals, not me, but certainly, certainly everybody that I share office space with Mm -hmm. and everybody is so interested in the type of work that you do. Everybody is. And so, um, thank you. We're excited. Come on, help us. We're rooting for you. (laughs) Thank you. And, uh, and if there's anything that, uh, that we can do to, uh, help support, these uh these these wonderful children and your program and please let us know okay thank you so much thanks Thanks. for letting me be here i appreciate it thank you so happy to meet you